Good morning. We are so glad that you can be at Central Church as we are beginning today this journey where we're imagining where God is taking us. Each week, we're going to focus on a word that will get us to be a more generous church because we want to be generous, right? What's the opposite of generosity? I don't know, stingy? You don't want to have a stingy boss. You want to have a generous boss. You don't want to have a stingy grandma. You want to have a generous grandma. You want to, you want to be a part of a stingy church. You want to be part of a generous church. And that's what this is about. You see, generosity, it's, it's not an issue of, of money. Oh, preacher's talking about money. It's not an issue of money. It's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. There's no, it wasn't a mistake that we just came through our spiritual renewal week and then moving into the season of generosity. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. So each week we're going to focus on a word, and this week our word is follow, and and. There's no better passage to talk about following Jesus than Luke chapter 9, and that's where we're going to be this week. Uh, And so each week we'll we'll be talking about, and here's the big idea for today. It's in in your, the booklet, but the big idea for today is imagine a community of believers where, where everyone, every single one of us, everyone, is following Jesus, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just what Pastor James was talking about during Spiritual Renewal Week, right? Imagine how such a church might impact their neighborhood. And then that overflows into our workplaces and in our schools and in our homes and in our lives. Imagine with the end highlighted. Imagine the difference such a church could make if we all, every single one of us, follow Jesus. Luke chapter 9, this is what happens. Jesus encounters three people who say they're going to follow him. This is what the Bible reads, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Wow, that sounds great. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Now that seems like a legitimate request. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That that seems legitimate. Jesus replied, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Three encounters. First guy says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you want to go, wherever you go. Now, if Jesus were into counting noses, if Jesus were a church growth expert, he would have said, wow, that's great. Peter, mark down one more. We got one more. Yahoo, you're reeling in the fish, Peter. Good job. But that's not what Jesus says. See, Jesus knows where this guy is coming from. And when he says, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus' reply was, well, the fox have holes, the birds of the ears have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said, really, Where, wherever? That's a pretty big promise. Do you realize, mister, that, that, that we don't have a place that we're homeless. We're not staying at the Marriott. We're not even staying at the Super 8. We've got worse living conditions than foxes and birds. Now, this is not the way you build a church. Jesus, that's not what you say to someone. When someone says, says I'm in, then you say, great, you're in, have a seat on the pew. You don't have to, you know, there's really, the bar is low, so just sit there whenever you feel like it. And, you know, don't serve, don't give, don't participate. Just come, you know, if, if you don't have anything better to do, you're in, you're in, you're in, ha you're in. 
But that's not what Jesus says. He says, listen, pal, do you understand what wherever means? That's a big promise. It's a big promise for us. Are you willing to say wherever, Jesus, wherever, wherever, wherever? I've told you before about my friend, my friend, um, Sharo, Sharo, converted from, he was a Muslim living in Iran to Christianity. And because he converted, he was in a Bible study and a neighbor turned him in. It was a secret Bible study. And a neighbor turned him in for two gallons of milk. That was what the neighbor got for turning him in. And Sharo was arrested. And he ended up making bail, but he was going to have a trial where he would have been um, either placed in prison for the rest of his life if he did not renounce his faith or executed. And so Sharo sold everything he had, and him and his daughters, two daughters and his wife, paid a smuggler, and they ended up getting, it's a long story, got to America. My friend Sharo was upper middle class in Iran as a Muslim. He ran a trucking company. He also owned a music academy. His wife is an accomplished pianist. He made this, he, he sold everything he had, made this crazy journey to a place where he didn't even speak the language. The smuggler dropped him off in Mexico, of all places. He didn't speak Spanish, didn't speak English. He spoke Farsi. <laughs> and he ended up, he ended up in Kansas City. That's how I know him. Cheryl today, he, he works... Um, as in the facility crew at the church. I guess what I'm telling you is he gave up everything for Jesus. Every single thing. Wherever, wherever, to my friend Sharo, man, wherever you want. It's a big promise. This guy couldn't do it. Really, he's saying Jesus, not really wherever, not there. The second guy comes and says, listen, Jesus, I, I, I'll follow you, but first let me go bury my, my dad. Now that seems legitimate, but they, most Bible scholars think that they didn't do funerals like they do now. It's not like, like um, you know, you go to the funeral home and you talk to them and you pick out a casket and then you go to the flower shop and you pick out flowers and, and then you go to the church and figure out what you're going to have for the funeral dinner. No, no, no. When a person died, you buried them right away, that day. You know, they didn't let dead people uh, laying around because of disease and everything else. They figured that out. So if a person died in the morning, they were buried in the afternoon. And so more than likely, this guy, he's, his, his dad hadn't died. His dad was going to die. And what he's telling Jesus is, you know, eventually, when my daddy dies, then I can follow you. It almost sounds like, when you read it, it almost sounds like a skit from Monty Python, you know? Bring out your dad. I'm not dead yet. His daddy wasn't dead. And he's telling Jesus, I'll follow you when, when, when life is settled down, when life is less busy, then, then, Jesus, I'll follow you then. And Jesus' response was, let the dead bury their own dead. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. The third guy, Jesus, like the first guy, uh, comes to Jesus, offers him. Jesus didn't call him out. He called Jesus, I'll follow you, Jesus, but everybody's got a big but, according to Pee Wee Herman. But let me first go say goodbye to my mama. That sounds legitimate. Again, Jesus' response to him, though, again, agricultural society, remember? And no one puts his hand to the plow but looks, and looks back as fit for service in the kingdom of God. This guy, he didn't want to just go give mama a kiss goodbye and take off. He was going to go back 
and see his friends, have reunion parties, reminisce, when he gets around to, you know, those things are important, and seeing all those people, that's a, <sighs> and Jesus is saying, listen, man, we gotta move forward. Now, I need to be careful. We're getting ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary. And it's good to remember their sacrifice and their commitment, but as I said earlier, we have to be looking for the days ahead. We need to imagine a church that is following after Jesus, not sometimes following, not, not, not occasionally following, but all, all of us, all of us, 100% of us, all in, following Jesus. And when we do that, we can see God work in amazing ways. Listen, following after Jesus, it, following is, is listening to Jesus. I think that's in your worship, in the folder. All three of these guys heard Jesus, right? Follow me, follow me, I'll follow you. They all spoke to Jesus, they all heard Jesus. The problem wasn't hearing Jesus, the problem was in execution, doing what Jesus said. That's our problem too. First guy, wherever Jesus, well, not really wherever, not if you don't have a place to stay. The second guy, whenever Jesus, well, not really whenever Jesus, you know. Uh, I gotta, when my dad, when, when life gets busy, less busy, the third guy, whatever, Jesus. Well, not really, whatever. And let me go back. Let me spend some time. Let me, let me when it's convenient, Jesus. Most of us know, most of us know what Jesus wants of us. Now, some of you, some of you may not. If you're brand new, if you're brand new to faith, if you're joining us online and you're kind of just dipping your toe in faith and you're checking out, maybe you don't know what Jesus wants for you. And let me tell you, Jesus does have a plan for your life. Jesus has a wonderful, glorious plan for your life. But most of us who've been around the church for a little while, we know what Jesus wants us to do. The question isn't knowing what Jesus wants, it's doing what Jesus wants us to do. Or maybe stop doing what Jesus doesn't want us to do. Most of us know. So following Jesus, it, it, involves, it involves listening to Jesus, and involves, really, it's, the first step is, is simply saying yes. These three guys, the appropriate response would have been, yes, Jesus, yes. Wherever, Jesus, yes. Even if I don't know where that leads, even if I don't know what's coming next, even if, I, if, I don't, even if it doesn't mean that we have a, a place to sleep tonight, yes, Jesus, yes. The second guy, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I know you'll take care of my family, I'll follow you. The third guy, yes, Jesus, yes, I'm all in. The appropriate response is yes. Following doesn't leave for excuses. Jesus, he did not lower the bar, he raised the bar. And so often we, you know, raise my hand, say my prayer, let me never think about it again. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to something much, much more than that. And following, it's an, it's an all-in endeavor. You're gonna hear in the coming weeks how we need to be all-in, all of us. It's crazy, you heard on the video, $3.4 million dollars. That's an absolutely insane number. Can I say that? Is that, I mean, we're, we're in a pandemic and we're in Flint and we're not, build, we're not building a sanctuary. It's easy to raise money when you're building this. And we already got one, I think. Um, we're not building a gym. We already did that. We're, the building didn't burn down. That happened 25 years ago this year. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Well, that won't happen again. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. It's insane. It's almost, it's almost, you know, David facing Goliath insane. It's Daniel walking into the lion's living room insane. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looking at that fiery furnace and saying, ah, it doesn't look too hot insane. 
3.4, you know, to, to pay off our building so that we can give more money away than ever before, Flint needs it. To build a, a park where it's not just our use, but we're encouraging the community and getting involved in the community, saying, hey, we are here for you. Or sprucing up our, our nursery areas that are kind of the oldest part of the building and saying to our new moms and, and dads, you know, your children are important to us. It's, it's insane to do that. In fact, it's so insane that if we get there, I get to take zero credit <laughs> because it'll only be from the Lord. That's the only way we can do it. And we don't need, listen, I don't want. I told some, we've had some meetings with uh, some, of, some of our folks and, and I told them, and so I'll tell you, we don't, need, we don't need somebody coming in and writing out a check for $3.4 million. We're not looking for a superstar. Now, of course, we're gonna need some people to give significant gifts, obviously. But we don't, I, don't want, I don't want somebody coming in and writing out a check for $3.4 million. I want you to learn the importance of generosity. I want all of us to learn that we have to participate together to get there. That it's not, that it's not a one guy. Listen, this is how, you know, this is not my first rodeo with these type of initiatives. We've done some before in previous churches. In one church, we had a super rich guy who easily could have written out, we weren't trying to raise $3.4 million, I don't remember what. And he could have written out that check. And he just, you know, he wrote out a, a, a check. I don't know, 250000 something like that. But we had a teenage girl, 15 years old, doing two-year pledge like this. 15-year-old girl that wrote, wrote out, she pledged $1,000. She didn't have a job. She was 15. She didn't have, you know, she babysat sometimes. You know how it is. But that 15-year-old girl said, I'm going to pledge $1,000 because that's my church. And I agree with what they're doing. And so she, she, she raised it. She babysat. She collected bottles. She turned them in. I was more excited about her gift, her $1,000. Can I say it that way? Than the, than, the, than the other check. Because that guy, he just wrote it. He didn't even think about it. But she sacrificed to get there. It was her church. She's an adult now. I saw her not too long ago. She's married. She's an adult. She's doing great. She's still attending that church. It's her church. That's what we want. We don't need a superstar. Because, listen, alone superstars, they don't... Come. I don't know if you're... I'm a baseball fan. Uh, this year, the most valuable player in the American League will be Shohei Itani. Uh, he's, he's like, they're all calling him the, the modern Babe Ruth, right? He's the modern Babe Ruth. He pitches, he hits home runs, all those things. Guess what? His team isn't in the playoffs. They're not, you know, they're sitting at home watching TV just like me. Or here, maybe this is closer to home. In 2012, Miguel Cabrera, Detroit Tigers, hit the triple crown. You know what the triple crown is? He led the league in hitting. He hit 333. Led the league in home runs. Had 44 home runs. Led the league in RBIs. He had, I don't know, 139 RBIs, something like that. Led the league in all three categories. Triple crown. First time anyone had the triple crown. Led the league in all those three categories since Gary Cousins win. And who did it in 1967? I did not put him up to that. I just knew that Gary would know the answer. I did not prompt him. He did not know that was coming. 
Bam! That's why he was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? 19, it happened since 1967. And Miguel Cabrera did it in 2012. And guess what? The Tigers won! Not the World Series. <laughs> they didn't win in 2012. They didn't win in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. <laughs> Oh, stop it. <laughs> My point, we don't need a superstar. We need everybody participating. If we're going to get this insane number, oh, I'm not twisting any arms. I'm not good at that. I, I, I'm, I would make a bad mafia person. I am not twisting any arms. I'm not uh, putting anybody under. There will be no guilt trips from me. Zero. This is what I want. I want you to listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Wherever, whatever, whenever. It may be uncomfortable. Let's follow Jesus. That's what this is about, following Jesus. And maybe the question is why? Pastor, why are we doing this? Let my friends Rudy and Amy Lopez answer that why. Listen to their testimony. I'm uh, Rudy Lopez. This is my wife, Amy Lopez. Uh, we have two kids, Jocelyn and Colton, and we have been coming to Central for the past 12 years. In 2007, I had my daughter, and looking back, I suffered from some postpartum. It really impacted my life and our marriage. I remember driving to the Myers parking lot just to be by myself and turned on K-Love Radio and Mike's chair, Let the Waters Rise, was playing. And that was just kind of my wake-up call that I needed to trust God. And so I went to work one day and just um, shared with April everything that was going on. And she said, I go to Flint Central Church. It's the big church on Bristol Road. I'll see you there on Sunday. We sit on the right. And it wasn't even an option, um, do you want to come? It was, I'll see you on Sunday. And I feel like he aligned the people that I needed in my path at a certain time to, to be where I needed them to be. And they were here. From actually some of her first times here, Amy seemed happier. And I said, well, if it's making her that happy, I got to go check it out. You know, my dad raised us after my mom passed. We did life without one parent. And he always turned it back, you know, to having faith at all. It all happens for a reason. Once you have that foundation, I mean, you can do anything. Being role models for our own kids, they emulate what they see. And we want them to see positivity yeah. and see us to hopefully try to make a difference. Life Group is by far the most important thing to us um, being involved in here at Central. Finding this group, finding this church, finding people we can talk to uh, about life, you know, and about Jesus and about faith, uh, that, that was defining for me. Like, there's been tears shed, there's been laughs. And when any of us are struggling, we know that we can count on each other. For our kids, too. Our kids would choose a life group Friday night over going to spend the night at their other friend's house. Yep. When our kids choose life group over life events, it warms our heart. Like, it's amazing. They have connected and built relationships with people who are 
like-minded, that have faith, that um, they know that they can turn to and that they can share their struggles with also. Living generously, for us it means giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving back to others that have given to us. What makes me excited about the future for Central Church is just the little things that this, that this church does for this community. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to help people who can't help themselves. Be the voice for the voiceless, right? If Central wasn't a part of our life, I don't know what our life would look like. I don't know if we would be together. I don't know if we would have our son. Colton, yeah. um, I don't know if we would have the friends and the relationships that we have. I don't know if we would have the spiritual relationship that we do with God. I don't know if we would have the happiness that we have. I love their story. Uh, they, they, they interviewed right there and I was sitting in the back. I didn't get to see all, every week you're gonna see um, uh, another testimonial through this. I didn't see all of them, but I saw Rudy and Amy's and they were there and I was sitting in the back. When they said, I don't know if we'd be together if it wasn't for Central Church. We wouldn't have our son if it wasn't for Central Church because we would have been divorced. And April Laird, she's, she's out of town this week. I told her, I said, April, man, you're a rock star. You invited Amy and, and I'm so thankful that you did. Because that's what we're all supposed to do, Right. And I'm thankful for April and I'm thankful for the people, the, those folks that were getting our 100th anniversary, those folks that sacrificed to get us to this point. But this imagined season that we're in, it's saying it's our time now. It's our time for the next generation, for the next Rudy and Amy's. Out, they're out there. You've probably worked with some of them. That they need Jesus. And that's what this is. Listen, we don't need a superstar. We don't need somebody coming in and writing a $3.4 million check. What we need is every one of us listening, following Jesus. On your way out the door today, when I was a kid, where I told you I was a baseball fan, I used to collect, I used to collect these things, baseball cards. These are from 1991 Fleer baseball cards. In 1991, the Minnesota Twins won the World Series. Their superstar was Kirby Puckett. He's in the Hall of Fame. Maybe his baseball card is worth something, I don't know. But these guys, anybody ever hear of Terry Leach? Or Rick Aguilera? You should know, Rick Aguilera won like a game during that World Series and a couple of saves. His card's worth nothing. Brian Harper, he was the catcher on that team. And that, that they wouldn't have won the World Series without these guys. That's my point. Uh, we're not going to reach our goal without regular folks like you and me contributing, participating, being a part of what God would have for us. And so on your way out the door, you're going to get a baseball card. If, you, if there is a Honus Wagner card that's worth a couple million dollars, turn that back in. <laughs> I don't think there is. I didn't go through the list. But what I'd like you to do is take that and team it with this commitment card and just pray, Lord, how can I participate? Again, I'm not twisting any arms. No guilt trips. 
saying, Lord, I want to participate. How can I follow after you? And then just listen. Do what he says. Simple as that. And if you listen, do what he says. If we all listen, do what he says. All of us follow. We'll be just fine. Because what if God has great plans for this church for the next hundred years? We're not putting wood over the doors. We're not blocking up our windows. We're not closing this place. No, we're alive. And God is working. And if we just follow after him, we have a great and glorious future.